0: Welcome to the Word of Life Study Series, Foundations for Christian Living. Having laid a foundation of God's Word, our next episode in this season is to provide a reference to our beginning and origin. I believe that one of the greatest of all human needs is to possess a sense of purpose and meaning in life. The questions of who am I, why am I here, and where am I going will be addressed in this episode according to the Holy Scriptures. As church leaders, we do not presume to have all the answers. Rather, our job is to point people to the answer, Jesus Christ. Jesus, being the word of God, has all the answers to life's questions and pursuits. God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and conduct. I believe that this episode will be a lot of fun as it opens our eyes to some of the mysteries of life. Who am I? We'll first look at the world before ours, the pre-Adamite creation. Genesis one, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is the author of all life and creator of the earth and the universe. Psalms 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. So what about the dinosaurs being millions of years old? What we do know by scripture is that mankind has been on the scene for about 6,000 years. We will cover this in more depth shortly. Let's read on in Genesis verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The word was, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, would be better translated in the Hebrew ha as became. Something happened between Genesis 1 1 where God created the world at that time, and then it was apparently destroyed. When we study the origin of Satan, you will learn of a rebellion and the judgment that followed, destroying the world at that time, along with all the creation of that time. What we see in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 2, and thereafter, is a recreation of God's creation on the earth. God starts over by recreating the earth as described in Genesis chapter 1. In verse three through five, it says, day one, let there be light. Day and night are created or restored. Verse six through eight, day two, let there be an expanse to separate the water. The sky was made. Verse nine through thirteen, day three, let the water under the sky gather to one place and let ground appear. God called the ground land and the gathered waters seas. God also said, let the land produce vegetation. Seed bearing plants and trees. Verse 14 through 19, day 4. Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky. God created the stars and the moon for the night and the sun to give light to the day. Verse 20 through 23, day 5. Let the waters teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created creatures of the sea and the air. Verse 24 to 26, day 6. Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. God made the wild animals according to their kinds and livestock. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Chapter 2, verse 1, Day 7. By the seventh day God had finished His work He had been doing. So on the seventh day He rested and blessed it and made it holy. God spoke creative words, and what He said came to pass. Hebrews three in the Amplified upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power hebrews 11:3 by faith we understand that the universe was formed at god's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible john chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made Let's now look at the anatomy of a human being. So what about evolution and human beings evolving? For one thing, the science of evolution is not a proven fact, but only a theory to the origin of mankind. God made man as a full-grown mature being, hence the age-old question is answered. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? The answer is that God made the chicken first, and then it would lay eggs. Every living creature, like man was initially made in a mature and complete state. Of the animal kingdom, he said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Genesis one twenty-two. Of the plant world, he said, Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. Genesis one eleven. But of man, God said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis one twenty-eight. Here we see what we call the law of Genesis. Everything produces after its own kind. Genesis 2.7 The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Note, Adam's name actually means in the Hebrew, ready to flush or turn rosy, made out of red clay. God made a physical body for man out of the dust of the ground. At that point, man's body was a lifeless and empty shell. Scientists today will tell us that within the human body is found all the trace elements and minerals found in the soil. So God made a body for man to dwell in. Finally, God took a part of himself and breathed into man so that he became a living being. The essence that makes a person alive is not the presence of a physical body, but the presence of a spiritual being produced by the very breath of God, that came into the physical body. John 4.24 God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. When conception takes place in a mother's womb, God creates a spirit being, the real person to abide in that little physical body as it is being formed. Hebrews 12.9 How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Jeremiah one five. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. This spiritual attribute of a person is what makes them unique to the animal creation. We are created in God's image and his likeness. Genesis 1.26 Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. In fact, James 2.26 states, The body without the spirit is dead. Now we are a trichotomy, a three-part being. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are a spirit, the real you that lives forever. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. With your spirit, you can contact God and have fellowship with Him by faith. You have a soul, the intellect, free will, and emotions. Reason is the voice of your soul. With your mind, you contact the intellectual realm or thought realm, memory and reason and imagination. This is not to be confused with brain matter. Your soul, like your spirit, is eternal and is intangible. God speaks to us through our spirit and And our spirit then enlightens our mind so that we can understand it. This is referred to in the Bible as revelation knowledge. Ephesians 117. And finally, you live in a body. The physical body that is mortal. It is the shell, the house, the earth suit that we live in, and allows us to dwell on this earth, in this material world. With it we contact the physical world through our five senses. Our feelings are the voice of our body. When the body dies, the spirit and soul of that person leaves the body. James 2.26 Why am I here? Let's first look at God's dream for mankind. So this is a great question. Why are we here? Why did God make us in the first place? Genesis one twenty six, And let them, mankind, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. First of all, God wanted to have someone to share his creation with and allow us to know what it is to live and to exist and to be. He honored us above all creation by making us in his own image and in his likeness. God gave us dominion to rule and take care of this earth, to discover all of its mysteries, and to replenish it with people, who will grow up to know God and have a relationship with him. Acts chapter 17 verse 24. This was Paul in Athens, speaking to the Areopagus. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them, and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Ask yourself, why do most married couples want to have children? It is an extension of themselves, an object of their love in order to share life with their children and to enjoy a relationship. Matthew 7.9 Jesus said, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? James 1.16 Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is a good God. Nothing gives Him more pleasure than to bless His own children. I would like to suggest that the meaning of life is found in relationships. 1 Timothy 6-7 For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. not speaking of material things. However, the impact we make upon the lives of others for God's glory lives on and echoes for eternity. God made mankind to be relational beings, first to have a personal relationship with himself and then with others. Romans 14 verse 7 For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. God prepared a beautiful place for Adam called the Garden of Eden. In that day and age, there was no rainfall that fell upon the earth. There was a canopy of water vapor that covered the whole earth and created a greenhouse effect. As a result, the whole earth was regulated at a mild temperature with no extremes as we know them today. Genesis 2, six. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the earth. Genesis 2, verse eight. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now God had a relationship with man, but man needed a helpmate to work beside him in order to take care of god's creation enjoy relational interaction and to replenish the earth god made a woman from adam's rib god formed a new body and breathed the breath of life into her as he had done with man genesis chapter 2 verse 20 but for adam no suitable helper was found so the lord god caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping he took one of man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. What in the world happened? It came down to a question to obey or not to obey Genesis chapter two verse sixteen And the Lord God commanded the man You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it you will surely die. Why would God have one tree that could not be eaten from? God did not make mankind to be a race of robots. Animals function through instinct that drives them down preprogrammed behavioral patterns. However, mankind is unique in that God has given every human being a free will to choose their eternal destiny, to be with God or without Him. The purpose of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was to test man's allegiance. Was man going to stay true and faithful to the Lord or to listen and follow Satan? It was a probationary period. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He had said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. The serpent was part of the animal kingdom in the garden. The serpent allowed Satan to speak through it in order to deceive Adam and Eve. Who is Satan, you may ask? Well, we will cover him in more detail in the future. He was an archangel, formerly, that rebelled against God before Adam and Eve. Satan was allowed an opportunity to tempt man to see if Adam and Eve would rebel against God. Hence, we have the Garden Encounter. Notice that the first thing that Satan attempts to do is to undermine what God had clearly stated, did God really say? In verse 4, he goes on to say, You will not surely die the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Here Satan outright calls God a liar. Adam and Eve were left with a choice. On the one hand, God had said do not eat of the tree. On the other hand, the devil entices them to go ahead and partake of the forbidden fruit. Adam and Eve were not forced to obey or disobey. They were left with a choice. Unfortunately, they chose to obey Satan instead of God. Little did they realize what they set in motion for all of mankind that would come after them. So what did Adam and Eve's disobedience mean for mankind? Genesis 3 verse 7 Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Notice that Adam and Eve were created in God's image, and even though they were naked, God clothed them with his own glorious light as a covering. The Bible says that God is light. When they sinned by disobeying God, the lights went out and what they saw was their bare nakedness. Satan did not tell them about the shame, guilt, and fear that accompanied disobedience. Look, here comes God on his daily visit to fellowship with Adam and Eve. Of course God was there when Adam and Eve sinned. With him there are no surprises. The worst thing about sin is that it separates us from God. God hates sin. Not so much for the act itself, but how it ravages us and what it does to our relationship with him. Adam and Eve realized what they had done and hid from God in shame and fear. In Genesis 3.9, But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. God was giving Adam and Eve an opportunity to fess up and simply admit that they had sinned and disobeyed him. We may have had a quite a different world today if they had just been honest about the whole thing. Instead, we see a classic case of pass the buck. Yes, blame shifting started in the very beginning, some 6,000 years ago. Excuses never has afforded much mercy from man or from God. Now you can read the whole exchange in Genesis chapter 3 verse 14 through 19. Sin will cost us more than we are willing to pay, take us farther than we want to go, and keep us longer than we are willing to stay. So Adam and Eve, was it worth it? No, not for them or for us. Let's break this thing down. That was a lot to take in. But it sure does explain a whole lot. First, there was the judgment on the serpent. Snakes, once upright creatures, were made to crawl on the ground. Next comes the judgment on the woman. There is a twofold judgment on women. First is in regards to childbearing. Secondly, in the garden, woman was taken from Adam's side to be by his side as a helpmate. Hence became the battle of the sexes between men and women. And number three, judgment on the man. Adam's labor of love in the garden would become a toil, sweat, and hardship. Not to mention that after the fall, Adam became mortal physically, weakened, and debilitated. His mental faculties also took a nosedive. All the potential he and Eve had was greatly diminished or dumbed down. Now there's a spiritual principle here I want to introduce. And how it relates to Adam and Eve having obeyed Satan and disobeyed God, if you thought that the above judgments were bad enough, there is more to the consequences of their sin and its effect on mankind. Hebrews chapter two, verse fourteen and fifteen now in Romans six sixteen it states, "Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone you obey him as slaves? You are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness." Adam committed high treason and gave the dominion that God had given him to the devil. Through disobedience, mankind was enslaved to Satan. The scriptures I'm about to read is an actual account in the life of Jesus. Satan tempted Jesus by offering him dominion over the world that he stole from Adam. Luke chapter 4, verse 5. The devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 1 John 5.19 We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. 2 Corinthians four. 4 the God of this world, small g., has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's talking about the devil. Now, there are three forms of death. Remember that God had warned Adam that if he partook of the forbidden fruit, that he would die. Human beings, as we mentioned before, are spirit beings with souls, the real you that lives forever. In order to exist on this earth, We all have to live in physical bodies. So the first form of death is physical death. I'm sure that you figured out by now that our physical bodies from birth begin to decay and eventually wear out. In the beginning, God genetically designed our physical bodies to live forever. The fall of man caused the longevity of the human body to decay. Did you know that Adam lived 930 years before his physical body finally wore out? A man named Methuselah lived 969 years. All this is in Genesis chapter 5. As you read Genesis chapter 5, you go on down the list. The life expectancy of these men gradually went down and down. Finally, after the flood of Noah, God set man's life expectancy to 120 years, according to Genesis 6.3. The second form of death is spiritual death. Adam and Eve had two sons, named Cain and Abel. Cain, the older brother, ended up murdering his brother Abel. You can read about the account in Genesis chapter 4. When Adam obeyed Satan by disobeying God, Adam partook of Satan's nature spiritually and became a spiritual slave to sin. If a person is not born again into God's family, he or she is a child of the devil, according to 1 John 3.10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. From this sinful, satanic, spiritual nature comes all the evil and corruption in the world. The solution to all the crime and hate is not world peace, but a spiritual new birth through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus had explained it perfectly when he addressed the religious leaders in regards to the source or the root of a person's behavior. What we are and how we live is determined by our spiritual nature. Matthew 12.33 Jesus said, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now the third form of death is eternal death. Each day a person is alive by God's mercy is another day to accept God's gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ and become a child of God. However, if that person dies in their sins… Having rejected God's free offer of reconciliation, all that is left is eternal damnation. John 3.36 Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Death from a biblical perspective, in its simplest form, simply means separation. Physical death is the separation of the soul and the spirit from the physical body. James 2.26 Spiritual death is a separation from God as our spiritual father and becoming a child of the devil at the age of accountability, with his wicked, sinful nature. Romans 7.9 and 1 John 3.10 Eternal death is eternally being separated from God and being cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Revelation twenty fourteen, our decisions determine our destiny. The power to choose is a dignity that God has graced human beings with. When we received Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we made an eternal choice to spend eternity with God. Deuteronomy chapter thirty verse nineteen. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to His voice, and hold fast to Him, for the Lord is your life. God has given every person a measurement of time, called a lifetime, to make that one eternal decision, to accept Jesus or reject Him. For those who ignore the question, they have already made their decision. 2 Corinthians six two, In the time of my favor I heard you and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. What we see here is man's hopeless predicament. Galatians 3.22, but the scriptures declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus and Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The problem is for all of us is that we've been born into sin. Due to Adam's transgression, every human being that is born on this earth has a propensity to sin. In other words, the bloodline of mankind is contaminated with a sinful human nature that every person is born with. There is optional reading in Romans chapter 7 verse 14 through 20. Even as little children, the inherent, selfish, sinful nature is on display. The whole world revolves around him or her. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all mankind, because all sinned. Now there's this concept called the age of accountability. A baby or small child is spiritually alive unto God until they are old enough to choose to disobey. Small children are innocent or not accountable for their actions until they reach a certain age of accountability. If they were to die physically, they would go straight to heaven, seeing that they have not had an opportunity to exercise their free will. However, a time comes for every human being when they are fully aware and conscious of their decision to obey or disobey they have reached their garden of eden experience we know by scripture that every person will choose to disobey and when that moment comes to willfully disobey god's will they die spiritually at this moment they become children of the devil and if they die in their sins their fate is sealed and will be lost forever romans chapter 2 verse 1 through 16 and chapter 7 verse 7 through 25 now in romans chapter 7 verse 9 it states once I was alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. Therefore, through God's word, we can see why the world is all messed up. It was never God's will for Adam and Eve to sell out to the devil and choose death over life with God. All the misery, suffering, famine, and pain is the result of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. But praise God, it does not end there. From the dark beginnings, comes a glorious hope of restoration, reconciliation, and the elimination of sin and death in this world. The Promise of a Redeemer Genesis 3.15 And God said, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Having sinned, Adam and Eve condemned mankind to an eternal hell along with Satan and his crowd. But not so fast. God, in His infinite mercy, made a declaration that a man would be born of a woman who would crush Satan's dominion over mankind, but in the process, Satan would make it painful. Approximately 4,000 years later, God the Son became a man and His name was Jesus. As the divine God-man, Jesus defeated the devil as a man but paid an incredible price in the process through His death, burial, and resurrection. Yet from the time of the promise in the garden until the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, God had always left himself with a witness for mankind to follow in order to reach out to him as a means of salvation until Jesus would come and redeem us all. But what about those people who never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus? Jesus made some incredible statements about humanity and finding their path to God. It is not a difficult thing for God to reveal himself to those who are sincerely seeking him. Throughout the ages, God has revealed himself progressively to mankind. Since the beginning, God has never left himself without a witness, testifying to his existence. God's first witness, which is the lowest revelation, is creation itself. Romans chapter 1 verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men and women are without excuse. Unfortunately, over the ages, people have chosen to follow evil and worship Satan. 1 Corinthians 10:20. No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. In the Old Testament, thousands of years ago, there are accounts of people doing horrible things, like murdering and sacrificing their children in pagan rituals. In the book of Genesis, there was the account of Noah, who was a righteous man that walked in the light that he had of God, while others followed evil. Unfortunately, Noah was the only righteous one at that time. Genesis 6.5 The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth men and animals, and creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem. Ham, and Japheth. The waters covered the earth for a hundred and fifty days Genesis seven twenty four. Noah and his family and the animals of the ark were the only survivors. The ark is an example of what Jesus has done for us in that he has saved us from the judgment of sin. From Noah's sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth came the descendants of the present-day human population. God's second witness was Revelation, the law and the nation of Israel. Romans 2.12 All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves. Even though they do not have the law, since they show the requirements of the law are written on their hearts their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Now God had revealed himself to a man named Abram, who back then lived in present-day Iraq. God made a covenant or a contract with Abram, that through him a great nation would be created, the present-day Jewish people in the land of Israel. Through this nation, God would bring the Savior of the world, Jesus. The birth of Jesus did not occur until a couple of thousand years later. Genesis 12.1 The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. God kept his promise, and through Abraham's lineage came a great nation. God raised a leader named Moses, through whom God presented the law of the covenant, the Ten Commandments and the institution of the Levitical priesthood. The regulation of animal sacrifices was used as an annual reminder that a price had to be paid to cover the sins that people had committed. This requirement of sacrifices was meant to reveal the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would make on the cross, in order to take away our sins, once and for all. Since the resurrection of Jesus, the old sacrificial system has been done away with since Jesus fulfilled the law. John 1:17 For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter ten, verse one through fourteen. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins, because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here am I. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. Nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here am I, I have come to do your will. Jesus sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. From the time of Moses until Jesus, the way for people to be saved was to become a Jewish proselyte and a convert to Judaism to obey the Ten Commandments and observe all the Jewish customs and sacrifices. God created the nation of Israel to evangelize the world with the message that was given to them. Isaiah forty-nine six. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Unfortunately, they were not obedient to God's directive. Instead, they built a wall of religion that shunned the Gentiles as inferior and in the most part kept God all to themselves. The term Gentile refers to all those people who are not of Jewish ancestry. However, God kept his promise and Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah. During the ministry of Jesus, he pointed out the failure of the Jewish race to preach the message that they had. Jesus alluded to another entity that would be given this task instead. This entity Jesus spoke of is the present-day church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 21.43 Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Now God's final witness is the ultimate revelation, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. John 14, verse six. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Since the resurrection of Jesus the gospel message of the saving grace of Jesus Christ is being preached throughout the world in the present age we live in the way of salvation is only through faith in Jesus Christ acts 17:22 in the past god overlooked such ignorance but now he commands all people everywhere to repent for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. As you can see throughout the ages, God has never left himself without a witness that draws mankind unto himself. If a person is just willing to reach out to him as Noah and Abram did. Even during the time of Israel and the law, a great number of people were converted to Judaism and thus saved. Since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, God's current plan for salvation is only through faith in Jesus Christ. Any person on the earth today as they did throughout the ages, begins to seek and to know God, he will make a way for the message of Jesus Christ to reach him or her. Matthew five six, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Luke 11, verse nine. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Before the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave us the Great Commission to preach the gospel to every human being. Without hearing the gospel message and acting on it, people will be lost forever. Jesus Christ fulfilled the promise that God had made in the Garden of Eden. However, it is up to us now to spread that saving message that Jesus is the only way to be reconciled back to our Creator God. Romans chapter 10, verse 12 through 15. Creation, not evolution. The theory of evolution is just that, a theory. Yet many educators act as though it is fact. The theory of evolution is that all forms of life derived by gradual modification from earlier and simpler forms or from one rudimentary form. It teaches a process in which something complex is developed by itself from a simple beginning. It accepts the existence of the cause or causes of the first substance and the force or forces working successive transformations from a lower to a higher form of matter and life. Now the theory of cosmic evolution claims that from lower units of matter, atoms and molecules, the vast material suns, moons, stars, planets, and universes were formed by themselves. That of organic evolution teaches that the vegetable and animal kingdoms evolved from lower forms of life to what they are today. Evolutionists do not deny the first cause. Their theory begins with matter or substance already in existence, yet they have no explanation of how it got there. Just like the Big Bang Theory, they have no explanation as to what started it. In other words, what got the ball rolling? In this, they are silent and reduced to speculation. True science rejects the notion, the theory that the hair is but elongated scales of prehistoric animals, that the legs of all animals developed from warts on aboriginal amphibians, that the eyes are but accidental development of freckles on blind amphibians that responded to the sun. How about this one? Ears came about by airwaves calling to spots on early reptiles, that man came from monkeys, That the vast universe came from a few molecules, that nothing, working on nothing, by nothing, through nothing, for nothing, begat everything. It is the law of nature that nothing reproduces anything greater than itself. The intelligent and innumerable self producing species of creatures, each with its own consistent traits, distinct flavors, and infinite combinations of chemicals, could never be the product of an unintelligent matter. Each one of the millions of creatures that reproduce their own kind by fixed and eternal laws must be the work of an all-powerful and all-wise creator. The Bible declares that God is the creator of everything, originally made in a perfect state all at once. Everything that was created by God was given the power to reproduce its own kind. No one thing could break this law and produce any other kind. Now, after 6,000 years, the law of reproduction is still unbroken. The sponge is still a sponge, and has not become an oyster or an octopus, a turtle, a frog, or a fish, or a crab. None of these have ever reproduced anything but their own kind. No lowly earthly worm has ever turned into a spider. Crossing different species has never produced a different kind that is fertile and could produce a new kind. The crossing of a donkey and a mare will produce a mule which cannot reproduce itself. No monkey has ever produced a man and the missing link is still missing and always will be. The theory of evolution teaches transmutation, a change in nature, substance, form, and alteration of essence by a slow and gradual process of mutation from one species to another, and from one lower form to a higher one. This has never been done, nor can it be done. In nature we find endless variations with each species or kind, but no change from one species to another. Without a change in species, there can be no evolution. God has made life so that it interbreeds in closely related variations, and when interbreeding is attempted between different kinds of species, it is found that there is an impassable gulf which cannot be crossed. Try crossing a dog with a cat. It doesn't work. God made it that way in Genesis one twenty-five. According to the Bible, God alone is eternal. With the exception of God, the material universe and everything else in all creation had a beginning. They were absolutely created, made out of nothing by the power of Almighty God. Daniel chapter seven verse nine and ten. Many of the pagan nations of the ancient world had their own creation stories, but in those stories, their gods, small g evolved out of a natural processes connected with the world itself. They believed the material universe was eternal, and it brought their gods into being. But Genesis declares that God existed before creation and is in full control of the physical universe. He called the physical world into existence out of nothing by his own spoken word. His power is absolute. He does not conform to nature and cannot be threatened by it. God is sovereign and does not have to share his power with other supernatural beings. Isaiah forty six nine. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From the far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. Psalms ninety two and ninety three two. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. Since God created the universe out of nothing, it belongs to Him and will always serve His purpose. As He shaped creation without any interference from anyone, He will bring creation to its desired end. No power can frustrate God in His purpose to complete the process started in creation and revealed in Scripture. Our hope rests in the sovereign power of Him who created the world and then recreated us through the saving power of His Son, Jesus Christ. First Timothy 1.17 Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. When God looked at the dark, empty expanse of the universe, he said what he wanted, not what he saw. Psalms 33 verse 6 and verse 9 By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. There are trillions of solar systems beyond ours. Distances out there are measured by light-years. How far light travels in a year at the rate of 186,324 miles a second, or about 5,800,000,000 miles is recognized as one light-year. It takes light 400 light-years to reach us on Earth from the North Star, 700,000 light-years for it to reach us from the Great Nebula, the galaxy nearest our own and five hundred million light years for light to reach us from the faintest galaxies seen by our telescopes. Our God is an awesome God. To understand our present, we must first understand the past as revealed in the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. In the book of Genesis, which means the beginning, we see that God had recreated the earth after the first flood, which had destroyed the pre Adamic creation in Genesis one verse two. This new creation was perfect flawless, with no sin or death, until Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate of the forbidden fruit. As a result, Satan became the god, small g of this world instead of Adam, and what has transpired since then until this day is the result of yet another rebellion. But God in his mercy provided a redeemer for mankind, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation, and all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life study series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of His mighty strength which He exerted in Christ when God raised Him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.